Hello, welcome to episode five of Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Brandy Hughes. And I'm Kevin Hitchings. Today we're talking about uh, new employees, so on-call relief employees for our SMCs, otherwise known as ogres, or term employees for the rest of us. We're going to be heavily focusing on letter carriers this week. Most stuff has to do with new employees, really focuses on letter carriers. In the plant, uh, other workers tend to look out for other workers, so there's not as much to know there. Just, you know, always consult your shop, shop steward, try not to get stuck alone with the supervisor, uh, and if they do give you some direction, find a shop steward or another worker at least and just clarify they're not trying to mess around with you. Um, talk to a couple of plant workers and they say, yeah, that's really all you need to know. We're both letter carriers. Uh, well, Brandy used to be in the plant. Oh, very briefly. I only did a month. Yeah, I don't think I could stand more than a month there. No offense to plant workers, it's just, I don't know, not my thing. Uh, I don't know, my time there convinced me that they're amazing for putting up with that day in and day out because I couldn't do it. <laughs> okay, we'll just label them officially amazing. Ogres too have consulted with uh, some RSMCs and uh, not as much, again, uh, the supervisors don't try and tend to mess around with the ogres as much. They uh, kind of are set out to do their own thing. The two main things, uh, of course, with them is for the non-RSMCs that don't know, um, there is no such thing as overtime in ochre world unless you've put in, and again, ochre stands for on-call relief, they're basically terms. Uh, they're, if they put in 40 hours a week on one route and put in additional hours on another route on top of that, they can get overtime for that additional route. But for that original route, even if they put in more than 40 hours as an ochre, you do not get overtime. You can put in 80 hours a week on that one route and you do not get a cent extra. It's terrible. Super terrible. And then, of course, uh, the way their pay scale works too is once you've put in five years, you get 100% pay for that route because every route has a set pay value. Uh, four years, you're only getting 97% of that route. Uh, one year, you get 88%. At two years, you get 91, 94, 97. At five years, you get the full 100. But as an ochre, you're actually set to the minimum wage, which is 85% of the route. So you're getting paid 15% less to usually spend way longer out there. Uh, there's very few ochres that I've seen that are not putting in a, quite a significant point of overtime for less pay. So that, that's 15% less than what the regular root holder would be getting. Right, than what the route is, is valued at. Um, they have a whole different system, similar to the the LCRMS, the Letter Care Road Measurement System, but uh, very different at the same time. Another thing on-call reliefer told is that everything has to go every day, and that's not true at all. Every route has a vehicle size, and that's as many packages you have to take, the amount to fill that vehicle size, with clear visibility. You have to be able to see where you're going to be safe. Um, if your vehicle is undersized, if you're supposed to have 100 cubic feet on that route, but you only have 75, well, then you take 75 and then you can come back for another 25, but you don't go above that maximum capacity of 100. Uh, supervisors will often pressure you to take every piece out and that's simply not the case. Oh, it's just oh, worth mentioning that for RSMCs, they're expected to deliver all of their flyers every day. They don't get to do the thirds like the rest of us. And it's really important that you write down your flyers at your depot so that you get actually get paid for them when you're relief. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize how much flyers really add up, but it's a couple hundred bucks easily on a check sometimes, especially in busy seasons. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and if you see the running total at the end of your year, it ends up being quite significant. It's not a lot of terms. Just don't bother. I don't think it's worth the time. It is. 
well, it works great for the rest of us because if they don't write down their flyers, that just means that the root holders get paid for them instead. Yeah, so, someone always yeah, gets yes. paid. It just defaults <laughs> to the root holder. And yeah. there's been people on leave that have gotten paid for flyers. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, same thing with overtime. Uh, a lot of new people, I find, don't write down their overtime. They're worried about getting in trouble. As a letter carrier, you're expected to put in overtime for quite a while. before Especially you're, when you're new. Especially when you're new. Um you got to remember, too, with the route measurement system, what we use to uh, build all the routes, those routes are billed to be exactly eight hours a day on your average day with no flyers. So if you have flyers, you should be putting in overtime. And just by definition of average, you should be putting in overtime every second day anyway. So there should be no problem with putting in, even for uh, regular letter carriers, people who've been on the route for five years, we don't do this because we're always in a rush and we really kind of screw ourselves over. But, you know, people like me and Brandy have been here for 10 and 14 years. We should be 13 years. She's not that old. <laughs> but, but we should be putting in overtime at least every second day on average. And we don't. Well, right now it's summer volume, so they're not as heavy aside from the parcels. But, yeah. I mean, I think most of us end up putting in overtime in December because we have no choice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Peak season is always different, December and January. But uh, supervisors... They'll ask you sometimes, they have to know what's going on, or if you need any help, they'll ask you why it takes long what's going on. That's fine. If they're asking you all the time, if they're harassing you or trying to give you trouble for taking a long time, get your shop steward and they should be cracking on that quick. Because like I say, the routes are built that you should be putting in overtime. And as a term, you should be putting in overtime every day, you know, if you're doing a full route. Sure. I know right now in Saskatoon, they're doing two thirds for a little while until people get up to speed. Yeah, the onboarding has really gotten a lot better in the last, I would say the last two years. Right. That they've been a lot nicer to new people and getting them to uh, only deliver two-thirds of a route rather than a full route. The thing that we find they're missing, though, is that often they don't get a chance to practice sorting. So then when they do finally go to doing a full route by themselves, they've almost never sorted before. They've always just delivered mail that other people sorted for them. And so their sort is really slow, and that's just due to lack of practice. Yeah, I've noticed the injury rate's going up a lot too. The previous city manager agreed to let us get new people sorting a lot more because uh, what we find is they get up to speed and they think they're doing fine and they're happy with their times and then they get their first route sorting and they haven't sorted in two years because there's always extra staff and then all of a sudden they're leaving the depot two hours late, they're coming back an hour or two hours late and they feel like they're suddenly doing a terrible job, they feel, and then uh, they're getting injured and stuff. So we see a big spike mm -hmm. in our injury rates. Well, the temptation is to try to make up the lost time when you're out on the street, right? Yeah, so we haven't had a training group in a while here, but when we do, I'm going to bring up the city manager again and see if we can get them sorting more so that doesn't happen. Another thing with safety that we just started before COVID hit is we had the uh, city manager agree that new employees were to walk with an LJOSH member after the regular training. So they go through a peer mentor and focus on the job, learn how to do the job and know what they're doing, learn the scanners. And then when they were done all that, we were giving them uh, basically two portions to walk one portion with an LJOSH member and go real slow. And were you thinking about this? And did you notice this? And uh, we did that with a few. Yeah, uh, it was good. Yeah. And people just, you know, you're, you're focused about doing the job good. You're not worried about, you know, I had uh, an apartment complex where they were roofing the whole thing. And, you know, you could see debris all over the ground. You know, term doesn't even notice going in there you know because they're just focused on the job which is you know natural you're trying to try and do a good job off the start but that kind of thing you you know an experienced carrier most of us wouldn't be doing that well a lot of the things that 
as a new person that you're focused on, those have become, become automatic for those of us who've been here longer. And so we're not thinking about all those little things we have to remember to do because we just were used to doing them every day. And the thing I really notice is that new people tend to be looking at their mail while they're walking. And really, you only need to know where the next house is. You don't have to look beyond that. <laughs> so once you've looked at it once, stop looking until you get there. Yeah. And hazards too, we tell them in training, you know, if something looks unsafe, don't do it. But putting that in practice is, you know, troublesome sometimes. People get worried about, am I gonna get in trouble for this? Am I gonna get in trouble for that? So when I'm out walking with people, I'm like, you know, you're, there's no way we should be delivering that. Are we getting in trouble? No, and if they give you trouble, then you come to your shop steward or your L. Josh. And no, if you think something's a risk, you just report it, you let them know why, you know. And, uh, it helps if you take a picture Yeah, but, for your supervisor to see or your yeah, supervisor, safety. Your pictures right. are great, but it's just to get them in the mindset of being comfortable, refusing to deliver something. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a small dog or a big dog. It's a dog. A little sure. dog bites you, you're still going for shots. It's still wrecking your day and whatnot. It doesn't really matter. So you should be refusing that kind of thing. Or aggressive cats, or we had one guy upset about pigeons. pigeons. <laughs> they were sketchy looking pigeons, though, he said. Yeah, I think it's always good to err on the side of caution. Um, and, you know, like, it can always get delivered tomorrow. It's not going to be the end of the world if it doesn't go today. No, and that's something even senior letter carriers need to be reminded of. Um, some of them just ignore the hazards forever. Also keep in mind that sometimes supervisors like to downplay whether something is dangerous. I'm not saying all of them, just some of them. And so if there's ever any disagreement, if you think it's dangerous and your supervisor says it's not, that's where we come in, the health and safety committees. And uh, we have to go and look at it and determine whether it's safe before you're supposed to de resume delivery. Yeah, and that is mandatory. Supervisors don't have a choice on that. If there's disagreement that something's safe, uh, if you're L. Josh, I think I've said that a couple of times, if you are new, that's local joint health and safety committee, um, they have to go and investigate, mandatory. And if not, you file a grievance, or we'll, L. Josh will file a grievance for you, one of the shop stewards. That's another thing. Don't ever be afraid to file a grievance. I always tell people, you're not putting in the grievance, I am and any blowback that comes from it, which there should not be and technically cannot be. Right. I've, I've filed dozens and dozens of grievances. I've never had, you know, any blowback from it. I've got the odd remark or supervisor being slightly annoyed and it's like, well, that's, you're, you're the ones that did it, not my fault. But the, the but, premise is that if they followed the collective agreement, we would have nothing to grieve. That's right. right. Yeah. And just tell them, you know, I've, I've never had a problem and I've never seen an employee get in trouble for filing a grievance. And really, if we don't, if we just let these things go and we don't complain about them, what's to stop them from continuing to do it? So if you don't want to be treated that way forever, file the grievance. So I think we have a few more things to say about shop stewards since we're on that topic anyway. Uh, one of the things I really want to drive home when I'm talking to new employees is if you're ever wondering whether or not you need a shop steward or not, the answer is yes. Right? If you ask the question, the answer is yes. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's just a passing thought. Do I need a shop steward for this? Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. We're not going to be uh, annoyed with you coming over and asking us questions. And uh, some things that seem obvious might not be. Like We're different than the private sector. There are different rules. Like, can the supervisor ask me to do this a little extra thing for it seems like no big deal? Well, no, they can't. We have time values. Mm -hmm. you know? If you don't get a time value for it, or if you're wondering if you get a time value for something, all our routes are built with specific time values for specific tasks. And if that task does not have a time value assigned to it, it's an extra. They should be paying you OT for that. Or, or getting someone else who doesn't have a full day to do it on right. regular time. 
and they'll do that quite a bit. They'll say, hey, we this package got left behind. Do you mind delivering it on the way out to your route since you're going on the way kind of thing and make it sound like it's no big deal. You know, that's someone else's mail. It's mm -hmm. not your job. If they want you to drop it off, they can pay you an extra 15 minutes or something to do it. You know, but you don't just do that for free. Your first real shift after training, you'll show up to your uh, depot or the postal facility where you're working and the supervisor will show you around and introduce you to a number of key people. So they will be your shop stewards, uh, your social stewards if you have them, your health and safety committee, um, maybe even some first aiders so that you know who to go to for that sort of stuff. And now it's generally their job to show you around. And at some point during your first week of work, you are entitled to 15 minutes with one of your shop stewards to sit down and learn about the union and what your rights are and how, how to kind of make sure that they are granted to you as they should be. Sometimes there's depot specific pitfalls too, they'll tell you about, and this is all paid time too. Right. As soon as you show up at the depot, if they tell you to show up at 8.30, you show up at 8.30, it's paid time from then on. You know, sometimes I've seen terms hanging around for half an hour and they're saying, oh, well, wait, we, we don't know what route to give you. Wait, we don't know what's available yet. You don't care. That's paid time, right? Yeah, your clock starts when you get in the door. Yeah. And if they send you to another depot, that travel time is paid. From the minute you show up, you travel to your other depot, that's all paid. So they should not be giving you a full route when you get there because that would automatically put you into overtime. Right. Unless and, they want to pay you overtime and you agree to it. Yeah. And then uh, also... You always end your day at the facility you started at. So if they send you to the first depot and say, we have no work for you, go to the other depot and you go put in a full day's work at the other depot, you still go back to that first depot at the end of the day. And that's where you sign in and out and you get paid for drive time both ways. Right. They will definitely not tell you that. There's a lot of things they will try not to tell you. Yeah, they're also responsible for transporting you between depots. So if you drive your car to the first one and they say we're sending you to another one, they are technically supposed to cab you there and back. So you're not supposed to burn your gas. It's not supposed to cost you money to go to a different depot. Right. So like I say, everything is built on time values and there's no extras added on there. And that includes travel time. A normal route is not built to switch depots. And they will do things like, I say, tell you to take out a box on your way because you're going to another road anyway. Or relay bags is another really bad one. They'll say, hey, you're tying out a little late. Can you take out your own relay bag? And the answer is definitely no. Um, I'm just going to look at the wording here real quick. There's only one spot in the whole collective agreement where the wording, I think, is this strict. Uh, 3312C. Under no circumstance will a letter carrier on public transportation or under Clause 3206, which is private vehicle, be allowed to transport relay bags of mail out to his or her route in the AM or PM. A lot of times in collect agreements it says the corporation will or shall. That's usually as strong as it gets. Under no circumstances is pretty strong. Relay bags go out with relay drivers in corporate vehicles. That's it. And if you have a corporate vehicle, you can drop them off. But in a public transport, like a taxi or on your own car, you do not. Um, the main reason for not doing that in your own car is because WCB, Workers' Compensation Board, if you get an accident um, and you don't have commercial plates on your car, you could be liable for that. You may have no insurance. You're allowed to go from work location to work location, but in you're not allowed to vehicle. do in a private vehicle, but you're not allowed to do work in your car. So if you're going from, you know, the depot to the start of your route, that's okay. But if you're dropping off relay bags, well, now suddenly you're working in your car. You need a different type of insurance for that. This is something that they often don't tell uh, ochres is that they need to have 
commercial insurance on their vehicle. Like I've heard of people working as RSMCs for years and then going, what? I need commercial insurance. And it's like, no, you need to have that or you can be liable if you get in an accident. Right. And the same goes with our private sector. We don't mention them too much in this podcast. CPW has uh, unionized workers outside of the post office. This podcast is for postal workers mostly. But, uh, you know, just I think it was last spring, they went through a cleanup and checked on uh, Transcourse, the local private sector people in Saskatoon. And I don't remember exactly, but I think it was somewhere around 40% of them actually had commercial insurance. So they were all liable for any accidents they made. And they're driving full time and quite rushed. Also, the uh, another reason not to take out your really bags, in addition to it being like wrong in the collective agreement, is that if they do go out with uh, relay drivers, even though they're late, like that's overtime for someone to deliver those in a corporate vehicle. So that's overtime work within the bargaining unit. So if you're doing it for free, you're costing the group overtime. Yeah, right? supervisors always have some kind of excuse for it. It's like, well, if we know if we have to call somebody in or bring somebody back to do it well then you're going to be waiting out there okay well that's overtime for you and overtime overtime for for you yeah Yeah. you get paid to sit there beside your relay box and twiddle your thumbs maybe text your supervisor repeatedly just to be like where's my bag again if you're out there (laughs) uh, waiting 10 minutes for your bag okay you're waiting 10 minutes but if you're out there waiting 45 minutes for your bag well that's all of a sudden outside reasonable too that's not something you can normally get paid for you can put in overtime for that whether it ends up being overtime or not um, supervisors will do that a lot to you as well. Say if you're not over your, your eight hours, you don't get overtime. That's BS. If you're doing something outside the, your structured day, you get overtime for it. You know, letter carriers do that all the time. Some of us that are, are faster will get their routes done in, in four hours, hopefully without cutting lawns and cheating <laughs> on, a, <laughs> on a light day. You can be done your route in four hours, um, or walk, you sort for two. And then do a whole another overtime portion. That two hours are still done in less than eight hours, but you get overtime pay for that. Right, because it was beyond what what your day was supposed to contain. Yeah, it's kind of like piecework. You get paid for the work you do, not necessarily for the time it takes you. Unless you go over, and then you get paid for the time. Right. Right. Another thing they won't tell you is, as a term, or as even as a more senior relief carrier, is you can get placed into a backfill. So if someone's going to be gone for a couple weeks or a couple months. They can put you in there and just give you regular scheduled hours for for a while. Once that ends, that's the only time you can ever bump somebody out of a route. Um, there is no bumping routes or rights in this. If you ever lose a route for whatever reason, you can't just kick somebody off unless it's a backfill. If you if you're in a backfill and your backfill ends, you can always bump somebody out of a lower someone with lower seniority out of that backfill. You have to bump the lowest person, though. You can't just pick. That's right. It has has to go right to the the bottom. The person with the least seniority is the one you can bump out. When your backfill ends, you could take the lowest person's position and continue to get full-time hours, and they would get laid off instead. And don't feel bad for doing it, because that's your right. Yeah, or whatever hours. It's not always a full-time position you get backfilled into. Yeah, Um, those backfills are also sometimes referred to as 1706. That's just the clause in the collective agreement that refers to those. I think that's just about everything I got to say, except please, 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 if you make an error, and most people do, go talk to your shop steward first, um, but tell your supervisor. The people that have got serious trouble or have been fired as terms are the people who screw up and then do not report it or try and hide try it. Try to hide it is the worst. Yeah. I highly recommend going to your, your shop steward because uh, sometimes they can you know help you fix the problem or at least tell you which supervisor to report it to because they are in no way consistent. 
there's some supervisors who will pretend to be your buddy and it's no big deal and then two four you'll try to get your fired later and there's some that'll are pretty understanding and will set up a way for you to fix it tomorrow or whatever you miss a block of flyers by honest mistake they'll be like hey no problem if you're on the road tomorrow we'll fix it or i'll talk to your road carrier and then some will give you a 24-hour notice of interview which is a two four so talk to your shop steward but absolutely no matter what happens even if they do try and get you in trouble for it we can a lot of times can get you out of that trouble as long as you're not hiding it right you just you just have to come back and say look i've I made a mistake here and this is what happened. And a lot of times when you do that... Or so you, I've heard. I've never made a mistake, so... <laughs> Don't believe him. It's not true at all. Anyway, um, yeah, sometimes that actually helps us to find errors. Um, just earlier this week, I had a, a relief person doing a, a route in our depot and uh, she pointed out to me that the pull sheet didn't match the case. And why was that not corrected before? Because no one had ever noticed because... The regular root holder is so used to the root, they don't even look at the pull sheet anymore. So she came in, looked at it, went, why doesn't this match? And what do you know? There's something the supervisors need to fix that should have been fixed a long time ago. So, um, yeah, like a lot of times when, when those errors happen, it's not even that you made a mistake. It's that something wasn't set up right in our system and that it needs to be corrected. Right. So I think the moral of today is... Write down your time for flyers and OTs. Talk to your shop steward lots and don't try and hide stuff. Please read your collective agreement. If you're a, a term in the uh, urban At least Article 44. Area, Article 44 is all for you. And it does refer to a number of other articles in there that do apply to you and, and know what they are. Because if you don't know your rights, it's really hard to defend them or to know when you're being wrong. When I was a term, I didn't realize that they weren't allowed to force us to do overtime. I worked overtime one Christmas Eve, missed dinner with my family. They were all phoning me going, when are you coming? And I said, I'm not coming. It was 7.30 at night and I was still delivering. I didn't have to do that. I didn't know that at the time. I should have looked. <laughs> yeah, it's Appendix E in the RSNC agreement is about on-call relief employees. Okay. So yeah, and uh, if, if there's anything in there that you don't understand that you want to discuss with your shop stewards, they're always ha happy to help you or, or just phone your local office and yeah. ask your executive. And the collector agreement is available online at cpw.ca. It uh, also should have been given to you before training ended or at the very least. Uh, the contract says your first day of work. That's when you'll get it in the least. You should be getting it there. And during that 15 minutes, that you should be getting with your shop steward, the shop steward should be checking to make sure you got that. Yeah, and that online version is great. You can download it, save it as a PDF to your phone or whatever, and you can just look at it anytime you need to. So I guess that's it. We'll talk to you next week. And if you have any other questions or topics you want to suggest, please email at overburdenedpod at gmail.com. And that is us. Yeah. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.